song to sing right before you get up to preach, so I'm glad that uh, Pastor Mike picked that. Uh, he's learning as he uh, stays here longer. The longer he stays here, the more uh, we'll get used to him. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Nah. <laughs> no, that's what I was afraid of. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Take your Bibles and turn uh, to Romans chapter 14. And we're going to be uh, looking at a number of different passages of Scripture this morning. And I'm going to be quoting a number of, of uh, different people, pastors and Bible scholars and teachers of the past uh, that are very well respected in our, in our uh, Christian circles uh, today. So today we're going to talk about, hey, I need to move this up or down, right? How about down? That better? Okay. Won't, won't sound like you're in a windstorm. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about the Christian's accountability. And it's a subject that uh, is, uh, is, is a little different than some subjects we often talk about. We talked about a little bit in prayer meeting. Uh, and they've kind of uh, been reading some things on it. I've been uh, reading through the book of Romans. And we got, I got here in Romans 14. And I felt the Lord must be between prayer meeting and reading about it. said, well, that, why don't you uh, preach on it, seeing how Pastor Tim's not going to be here. I get this opportunity. So you get to hear it. How's that? Take it for what it's worth. And it is a little different than what we often talk about. In fact, I find we don't talk much about it at all. And it's probably because it is, it is one, uh, it's not one of the most pleasant subjects to preach on or to teach on. We don't often um, mention man's accountability. But what I'm talking about this morning is man's accountability to God. That's the one I want to share with you. We often talk about being accountable to each other, don't we? That's so why we have men's groups and small groups and, and all that kind of stuff. And we often talk about being accountable to the church, uh, our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, and being accountable to each other, and the church being accountable to us. But, but not often about our accountability to God. Uh, I think often deep down inside, we all know we are accountable to God, but we just don't want to think about it too often. Amen? We all do realize we are accountable to God. Correct? It's just not something we bring up often, uh, every day. Uh, maybe it's something we should, but it's just something that we take as being there. Uh, we're accountable to God. We all know that, and it's just something that's in our heads, in our hearts, in our minds, and we just know it. Well, I want to take a little closer look at it uh, uh, this morning. Do you ever wonder why we don't often think about it? Is it because maybe we look at it as a negative thing? Something negative in our life? It shouldn't be. It should be a very positive thing. I mean, think about this. We're accountable to God. We're accountable to the one who loves us beyond measure. Wouldn't that be a good thing? I mean, he, is, he gave his, his only begotten son for us, and we're accountable to him, and, and, and it's something we should look forward to. Amen? When he asks us, when he looks at our lives, when he examines us, those kinds of things. We should seek to want to please him and be obedient to Him, and be faithful to Him. Those are positive things. Those are things that uh, we can certainly look forward to. But maybe not always. Maybe accountability should or could be a motivator to examine ourselves and to make the necessary changes in our lives, in our Christian's lives, in our Christian life, and in our service. However you look at it, however you look at your accountability to God, there are a couple things that I do know. 
first thing is, is the fact that we are accountable to God is all through the scriptures. And it's not hard to find. You're going to find that out today just briefly. And there's even more that we could look at. But the second thing is, when we talk about being accountable to God, it brings with it certain responsibilities. And uh, I want to bring some of those out this morning. So here in Romans chapter 14, Paul here is telling us in this chapter how to treat a weaker brother in the faith. Uh, we're not to pass judgment on them uh, for some of their ways, the things they eat, the days they worship on, so on and so on. And then he says here, we're going to start reading verse 10. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to who? To God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. One writer put it this way. Some seem to think that if uh, we are Christians, God is not going to bring up anything done in this life. It is all under the blood, they say. Put everything on Jesus and live any way you please. Surely that cannot be right. He goes on to say, men are not much influenced by the prospect of losing possible blessings. The dread of possible pain is far more influential. What a transformation would take place in our churches if all of the awesomeness of man's accountability to God were properly proclaimed. We are accountable to God. Dr. Barnhouse writes, Yes, there is to be a judgment for Christians in heaven, both for reward and for recompense. The Bible does not picture Christians without any responsibility for their stewardship here on earth. He says, sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem and tripping gaily into a heaven of equal bliss, our capacity for enjoying heaven we take with us. Although we shall not meet in heaven our sin, that is repented of and forgiven, our faithfulness to Christ here will limit our capacity for enjoying Christ yonder. Thus the sins of the saints, though confessed and forgiven, will have unending consequences in an everlasting limitation of joy. Listen, God gives us definite responsibilities here on earth in our service to him. That's easy to find in scripture. We have certain responsibilities. Now I want to give you a little heads up because uh, they're, they're very there's going to be some very difficult passages in scripture that deal with our accountability to God. What I mean by difficult is they're not difficult to understand in fact, they're quite plain and easy to understand. But they might be a little difficult to hear. That's where the difficulty comes in. So please pay very close attention to what the Bible is saying and to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Because there will be a tendency not to want to hear it. And we don't want that. So this subject of our accountability, if you think about it, maybe it will change the way we think. It may change the way we live. In fact, it could very well do that, but it should be a positive thing, not a negative thing. If we change, if our lives, here's, here's one of the problems we have, if our lives change for the good of Christianity, for the cause of Christ, for the betterment of God's kingdom, is that a good thing? Go like this, because it should be. 
Okay? Why sometimes do we think it's a bad thing? Because most of the time it requires a change in our behavior, or a change in our way of thinking, or a change in our routine, or a change in our comfort zones, whatever. Most of the time it requires a change in that. So this should be a positive thing, not a, not a negative thing. And this morning I want to look at three questions. Three questions this morning that deal with our accountability to God. The first question is this. What are we accountable for? You ever asked that? What are we accountable for? Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, you don't need to turn there, I'll, I'll read it to you. He says, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment. Are you ready? For every careless word they have spoken. We will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. The letters to the Corinthians also tells us that we are accountable for our works since we've been saved. We want to look at that, so if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture that deals with our accountability to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll look in verse 10. Paul writes here, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. It's an important thought. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Go on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We can look at that. So you might as well keep your finger here. We'll come back to both of these uh, later on. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 9. Here Paul writes, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That is, please God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Think about these two passages of Scripture. You know what it's saying here? It's saying all our works, after, after we've been saved, all our works are going to be judged. Our ministries, the ministries you're involved in, the ministries maybe you've created, the ministries that, that you support, all our, all, all our works are going to be judged or looked at or examined, if you will. Your ministries you're part of, the motives that you have for being part of these ministries, or the motives of the things you do, the reasons you do them, all these things are going to be placed before God. That's an awesome thought when you think about it. Sometimes we do things for the wrong reason. Sometimes we do things with the wrong motives. Sometimes we just do the wrong things. Dr. Ketchum put it this way. He said, what our eyes looked on, what our ears listened to, what our hearts loved, 
what our minds believed, what our lips said, what our hands did, what our, where our feet walked, our secrets, our motives, and our decisions all come out under the fire of his holy eye. We will tell him all, not only what we did, but why we did it. In light of that record, we will receive good or bad. It's what it says here in 2 Corinthians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now the question comes up, what about unconfessed sin? You ever thought about that? What about unconfessed sin? We know, God that, we know that God must judge sin, correct? Like this, he does. He must judge sin. He has judged sin. We all know 1 John 1, 9 says if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if our lives have been unfaithful and we have unconfessed sin in our lives, we must face that as well. I feel we'll be much ashamed often with our unconfessed sin before God. It won't, now, understand this, it won't cost you your salvation, and we're not talking about that. That's secured at the cross. But, but what about unconfessed sin? Will we be ashamed when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ because of unconfessed sin? Dr. Wolverd writes this, Sin must be judged, not just forgiven. God cannot condone it. If he does, then he is approving of unrighteousness. And this he cannot do. God's grace is so marvelous, manifested to a Christian, cannot be an excuse for sin. If we're not willing to judge ourselves after the Holy Spirit convicts us of some sin, then it must be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. It must be judged either here or there, but it must be judged. Think about that. What about our unconfessed sin? That secret sin. That sin that's continuous in your life, that no one else knows about. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's your active life. All of us will be held accountable for those things. So the first question was, what are we accountable for? The second question is, who has to give an account? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible tells us, uh, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Who are these people the, that, that Peter is talking about, the, the living and the dead? Well, the living and the dead are all generations, are all people. Those who have already passed away, those of us who are living today, those of us who are yet there, those who are yet to come, all will be judged. Everyone. No one escapes it. Listen, I want you to think about this. Just, just the thought of this ought to stir up our lives to faithful obedience, don't you think? When we are accountable to God in a positive way. I know most of us are sitting here thinking right now, oh my land, this doesn't sound very nice. Think about this. It should be great. It should be great. We confess our sins. We, we change our motives if we have wrong motives. We get involved in ministries for the right reasons. We seek to to be faithful and obedient and, and, and honoring and, and praising to God. Amen? And then when we're accountable to Him, a God who loves us more than, than life itself, 
should be a great thing, not a bad thing. The point is, we are going to be accountable to him for these things. All of us will be. All Christians must give an account to God. Go back to, well, if you're still there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You are no exception to that. There are no exceptions here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If Christians really understood and believed this truth, I think many lives would be different. I think they'd be different. There'd be no immoral living amongst our brethren and sisters in the Lord. Because we'll be given an account of that before God someday. There'll be, there'll be no unconfessed sin. There'll be no shrugging off bitterness and anger like it was no big deal. There'd be no compromising of doctrine and the, and the principles of Scripture. We would stop doing that. We would stand firm. We would cling to that which is true. There'd be no minimizing of sin in our lives. All of us are guilty of some of these at some time in our life. Do you realize we will have to give an account for our time? For the time that God has given us on this earth, the time He has given us since we've trusted Him as Savior as well, we'll give an account to God for that, which in turn makes us re-examine our priorities, does it not? We'll give an account for our talents. All of us here are talented in something. Where do you think you got that talent from? God. We'll give an account for our gifts, the gifts God has given us, are you using those gifts and talents in the body of Christ? Or are you not? And you're just hoarding them. Or are you just not using them? We'll give an account for our money, our finances, that God has given us. No matter how hard you think you work for it, and you may have worked hard for it, it still belongs to God. He has given it to you. We'll give an account for our actions, the things we do. Give an account for our motives, as we've already mentioned. We'll give an account for our thoughts, the thoughts we have. Think about that, your thought life. We'll give an account for any slothfulness we may have. Now, this could go on and on and on. There, there's an important passage in Scripture that is often overlooked uh, when, the, when the topic of accountability uh, to God is taught. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 is a, is a here again, another very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, we, we know it well, uh, and hopefully we break it down, but it's one of those passages of Scripture that also deals with our accountability to God. That the day we are, we are accountable to Him, where we Give an account of what we have done in our Christian life. Look in Hebrews chapter 4. Look at me in verse 12. Here again, very familiar. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the word of God does. We all know that passage pretty well. Most of us, I should say. And it's a, 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 an excellent passage. But then verse 13 says this. And no creature, which would be you, and no creature is hidden 
from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must do what? Give an account. We often don't think of that. Think, we need to think of it more. We, we, we like verse 12, but then verse 13 drives the point home. Not only does the Word of God pierce to the soul and the spirit and to the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and intentions of the heart, but then he says no creature is hidden. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Listen, all our hypocrisies will be, will, will be open. All our concealments, all our secret, unconfessed sins, all our thoughts, all our words will be open to the scrutiny of Christ. And we will give an account for it to the one who already knows. I know today, in many of our hearts and minds, we, we make a statement like this. I know what I'm doing Ah, might be wrong, might not be wrong, whatever it is. But whatever it is, it's just between me and God. Well, that may be true. But someday you'll give an account for it. Whether it's good or bad. Whether it's good or evil. It's not just between you and no one. It's between you and God. Maybe between you and God and others. But God will reveal it someday. Whether it's good or evil. Also, all the unsaved will give an account to God. And this, if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, here's just an easy, unfortunately easy, sad passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 20 that deals with the unsaved and the account that they will give to God. And we're just going to read like in, in verse 11. And, and, and understand this, this is talking to those who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And John writes, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who, who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death of the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, listen to this, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is what they call, the, uh, the, the, the scripture calls, the great white throne judgment. And it is only for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior. It is no doubt the saddest, I think, and the most horrible judgment of all, but they will give an account as well to God for the life that God has given them. We mustn't ever think that they're going to escape that. Don't ever buy into the fact that, well, you know, you can have your God, you can do this and that, but, but I don't believe in God, I don't want to trust God, I don't want to live that way. In fact, when I die, if I go to hell then I'll just go there with my friends. Just don't buy into that. Because it just doesn't work that way. It's not like a big party down there. Well, we'd all want to go there, right? Good answer. That's not the way it is. All the unsaved will also give an account to God. And this brings us to our third question. 
What about this judgment seat of Christ that we've talked about that deals with our accountability to God? Sometimes it's called the Bema seat. And uh, briefly, it, is a, it used to be a raised platform uh, in, in, during the uh, uh, Roman days. It was a raised platform, and the athletes would stand on it and be judged uh, for their performance in the games. I want you to remember this and mark it down. This judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat is only for believers, only for those who have trusted Christ as their, as their Savior. Is not for the unsaved. The great white throne judgment that we just read about in Revelation is where the unsaved will stand. The judgment seat is for believers. It will take place before we enter into the eternal bliss of heaven, if you will. Dr. Pentecost, he writes this. There are a few doctrines of greater importance to the child of God than the doctrine of the judgment seat of Christ. Actually, for the Christian, the judgment seat of Christ is God's gateway into the millennial kingdom. It is there that every Christian's position in the thousand-year reign will be determined on the basis of God's just evaluation of the Christian's life in this sinful world. At the judgment seat of Christ, where the Christian's life and works will be reviewed and examined, rewards will be given for faithfulness, and loss will be experienced for unfaithfulness. Now I wonder, here's the thought. If Jesus were to return today, and we've all heard this type of analogy, but that's suppose he was, I wonder how many believers would be, would be unprepared for his questions of accountability. Those who are living with bitterness and pride. Those who are, are living a carnal, selfish, and worldly life. Those maybe who are wasting their talents, and wasting their gifts, and wasting their time, wasting their opportunities that God gave them. Listen, they, they, these may have been forgiven by God, which they are at the cross, but don't be misled and think that these things will be passed over in grace and forgotten. They will not. When a holy God tests our works and tests our service, only that which has been, which has been a, a, a done according to the word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit will be approved and rewarded. In fact, turn back to to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read that again. Because it shares with us this exact statement. Again, reading in verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So the fire will test the work on which we have done, the believers. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Folks, that's... The passage speaks of rewards and of losses, does it not? There are, there are five rewards. Sometimes they're called crowns in Scripture. There are five rewards. There's the or crowns, the incorruptible crown or reward, or the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the, uh, the, the crown of life, the crown of glory. You can find them in different parts of the Scripture. Now, most of us have heard of these crowns and rewards before, and uh, we like hearing about these rewards, right? I want some of those. But very few of us like to discuss the losses 
and I'm sure you've talked about this before or studied it before, the losses that could occur, but that may happen. There may be losses that occur at the Bema Seat. This is a much less popular subject because we like just to think of the rewards, the good stuff. Well, it can still be good stuff. You're still on this earth, right? You're still here, right? And so our lives can change if, if, you, if you think something needs to be changed, if you feel the Holy Spirit working in your heart and your mind today. So Dr. Savage says this. He says, I read books about the judgment seat of Christ by such men as Dr. M.R. DeHaan, Dr. Norman Harrison, and Dr. H.A. Ironside, but I didn't agree with them. But now I have been looking at some Bible verses, and do you know? I rather think these men are right. Where there are things not right, it is going to be a terrible thing of Christians to face an almighty God. Hebrews 10.30 And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Listen, it will be a fearful thing for those who are disobedient and for those who refuse to be under his leadership and guidance and those who don't do what he asks us to do. Folks, there's no... Think about this. This is no game we're playing. Christianity is not a game. It is a reality. And we need to understand that. And part of that reality is all of us will be accountable to God at some time in our, li in, in our life. Hereafter, I should say. That's real. That's not made up. The Bible says that all will be exposed, and I believe that the losses will be much greater than we think they will be. Any works done that was not done in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says will be burned up as wood, hay, and straw. Even church work will be burned up. Scripture says anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism in Colossians chapter 3. Christ will, bring, or Christ will bring to light that which is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We shall receive according to what we have done, whether it be good or bad, as we've already looked at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Dr. M. R. DeHaan says, Before they can reign in righteousness with him, a lot of things which are wrong among believers now will have to be made right. If we do not make them right now, they will be made right at the judgment seat of Christ. And it will not be a pleasant experience for many to see their works burned up and they themselves saved so as by fire and then consigned to a lower place in the kingdom with loss of rewards and with many sad regrets. You know, here are some thoughts for us to ponder about this. What happens to the believer whose works are burned up. You ever thought about that? Does he go into the millennial reign with no rewards? He goes in there, but does he go in with no rewards? It doesn't say everybody automatically gets a minimum amount of rewards, no matter what they do. What position will that person hold in the millennial reign of Christ? What, what position will you hold? Think about that. What will it be like? How will they feel emotionally in something like that? 
Have you ever thought about this? There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? Go like that. But there are two ways to enter. One way is when the Lord says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The other way is in 1 John 2, 28, where he says, Be ashamed before him at his coming. Where do you fall? Folks, how we live down here does have an effect on our lives in heaven. It is possible to suffer loss, not our salvation, but loss of rewards. Now some of you may be thinking, well, what about God's grace in all this? Doesn't that cover our loss? I've heard it does. Listen carefully. Grace plays a very significant role at the judgment seat and our accountability to God. It plays a very significant role. Grace and, and accountability don't contradict each other. You see, you see, grace brings us to the judgment seat. Understand that. It brings us to the judgment seat. Without God's grace, we wouldn't even be there as believers. Grace brings us to God's family. The judgment seat deals with how we behave there. Sometimes I think we cheapen God's grace, don't you? We, we cheapen. We make claims that God's grace covers this, and God's grace covers that, and, 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 and I can do whatever I want because it's all covered by God's grace, and we distorted the grace of God. Listen, God's grace doesn't give us a license to sin, ever. Ever. Remember, God cannot condone sin in his children simply because we are in his family. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes I think we forget that. A believer is one who is saved freely and forever by the grace of God. But once he is saved, or once she is saved, they're accountable for what he or she does with the rest of their lives. Do not, do not be as deceived about that. We will be accountable to God. Here's a thought, and maybe you've had this before, heard this before. It's kind of a, a different thought, but it's been out there. All Christians are not equally happy on earth, right? Did you, you, all of you equally happy here today? Probably not. Okay? All Christians are not equally happy on earth. Would it be so incredible that joy in heaven will not, will, will, will not be equal? Will be unequal? You ever thought about that? I mean, do, do all of us find equal joy in Christ today? No. Why aren't we as joyful as some other Christians are? Or why are other Christians more joyful than us? All Christians aren't equally faithful either, are they? I'm saying that to all the people who aren't here today. <laughs> Except for Pastor Tim, of course, and Pastor Chad. I'm sure he's in church somewhere. They're not, all Christians aren't equally faithful. Some hold to the truths of the Bible, some don't, some abstain from evil, some don't, some have one eye on the world and one eye on Christ. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, after the judgment seat is over and each Christian is given their, their place in heaven, he shall be perfected and God will blot the remembrance of, of their past failures and wipe away all tears from their eyes, as the Bible says. Then we shall all be fully happy they're not equally happy. It's kind of like this. A good example is a fountain pen is full of ink, right? 
and the ocean is full of water. But what a vast difference between the respective capacities of a tiny pen and a mighty ocean. You may be fully happy, but not equally happy. Just remember this. We're going to close with this thought. The Christian's life and the Christian's works will be reviewed and examined. Rewards will be given with obedient, for, for obedient faithfulness. And loss will be experienced for unfaithfulness. Every Christian will receive his own reward according to his own labor. That is their responsibility. We should be preparing ourselves for that meeting with Christ, amen? That positive, looking forward to time where we're accountable to God. I hope you're doing that today. If you have some unconfessed sin, please take care of that. If you have lifestyle changes that need to take place, take care of that. There's no time like the present. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, again, we're, we're so thankful for your word, but we're thankful that we're accountable to you. You care for us. You love us. You want us to do your will, Father. You want us to be faithful and obedient. Help us not get caught up in the things of this world that, that mar our, our thoughts and our, and our uh, ideas and our, our perception of who you are. Thank you, Father, for this time this morning again. And we can, we can share these things with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.